Welcome to the Camilla Show podcast. We talk life and business and help you stop just thinking and start doing. Introducing your host, who went from a broke single mum to making six figures in just over six months. She is honest, she is feisty, and somewhat entertaining. She is Camilla. Today I want to talk to you about something a little bit different. Um, I am not prepared for this episode, this is completely coming from my head, so bear with me. But I wanted to talk to you about something that's been really important for me in my journey. And I'll mix in my journey a little bit through that and and, and tell you a little bit about myself because it may help you to identify with the points better. But I want to talk to you about the importance of finding yourself and who you are and releasing that real you from hiding. I don't know whether you find that a lot of people are muting themselves, maybe silencing the the real personality they're trying to fit in with what everyone wants you to be. So I'll give you an example. And someone I was um, interviewed on a podcast recently and they asked me a question which made me think um, quite a lot. He said, if you could talk to an 18-year-old yourself, what would you tell yourself? And at first I thought, well, God, what do I tell myself? Like <laughs> the things that I know now, I didn't know then. And I, I, I felt that the most profound thing to me was not to listen to what everyone tells you and not to follow what everybody else wants you to be. And we go through life and, you know, you, let's start from the, you know, from the scratch. You obviously will learn certain behaviors and manners and work ethic in a way from, from schools, from our parents, from sort of our, our environment. Um, but as we go on, you know, the, the normal way to be, you get taught that you go to school, then you go to university, you grow further, then you get a job. So the schooling system is part of the, um, this is going to be such a weird episode, but the schooling system I feel is, it feeds you into the the job kind of route because what's the best thing for the government to get people in a job, to work for big organizations, to make them money and to pay taxes. Everyone needs someone to do a job, right? So the schooling system naturally promotes you to be an employee, not an entrepreneur, a lot of entrepreneurs get a lot of the time get really upset or bothered. Why, why is the schooling system designed in a way that doesn't teach you the business skills? Because they don't want you to become that. They don't want everyone to become an entrepreneur and be a millionaire because only 1% of us can do that. What is it now in the UK? I think I've heard somewhere that only 1% of people in the UK earn over 70 grand a year. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I've been told. Because majority of people have salaries and get fed into the system of a job. There's people who are employed and earn much more than that. Um, the majority fit sort of underneath that, I would say. And there's entrepreneurs. And there's people who learn that there is unlimited amount of money out there in the world. And all we got to do is open our mind to it and take it. And it sounds crazy, but when you crack, when you lift this lid of sort of limiting beliefs, suddenly it's just like something that me saying this to you, there's this unlimited amount of money and you you just have to go out there and grab it. To you, that sounds ridiculous. But it's just like to me, it sounded ridiculous when I was in the job as a midwife on £2,000 a month 
income, 26 grand a year without bonuses, not bonuses, overtime. Um, to me, someone who said to me that you'd be earning 10 grand a month, that was stupid and ridiculous. I mean, like, how is that possible? I've been to university for three years. To qualify on 21 grand a year as a midwife in the NHS, good profession, very well respected. And I had to work another year within the system to get to my 26. And it's going to take me probably about 10 years to get to like 35 grand a year salary. So you saying I'm going to earn 10 grand a month? That's just crazy talk. That's the limiting beliefs. That's that little lid on a pot. That's how I've been brought up. That's how we all brought up. And the biggest thing for me was believing in impossible and things that most people think are impossible. And a lot of you still listening to this podcast and listening to me right now will be thinking, yeah, it's good to listen to the stuff that you're saying, but you, you don't really believe what I'm saying to you. Other people can get it, but you can't. It's like, wow, that, yeah, it's great for you. I'm sure you can't, but I can't. Where I, where I come from, we don't do that. We don't get that. It's easy for you because you got to do that. It's easy for you because you know that person. You'll come up with excuses. But when you open your mind and you figure out that, I'm going to repeat this, there is unlimited amount of money in the world and all you have to do is go out there and get it. That is the truth. So you get fed into the system. And, you know, when I was... 17 years old in fact I've left the schooling system I decided to go and work because I wanted to be independent so um, what you do is you get a job it's just what you do so I got a job in the bank and I got a career because you've made it once you've got a career right so I was in finance I was in banking I was climbing up the career ladder quite nicely that was working well for me I was doing really well um, you know, even though it was still my salary was still under 20 grand a year, but I was climbing up the career ladder and therefore there's something to be proud of and enjoyed it. Never fully fulfilled me, never understood why I was never quite happy and, and fulfilled in my life. And I didn't realize this until recently. And went through that career, um, went, I was in a banking industry at the t just before the crash when there was a lot of mis-selling. And during the crash and I got to the point where I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't follow with these practices. So I decided to leave. I went to work for an estate agency as a trainee mortgage advisor. So I worked in mortgages and I quickly realized that it's still the same thing. I left the main banking industry because I thought everyone needs a mortgage. I'm selling to a need. But those processes are, were still very Pers it's off, it persevered for the industry the way you sold and what the extra points were for just protection based etc so I thought you know what this is not really not for me and I took a drastic move to give up by then fairly decent salary for someone who's 20 years old 19 20 years old um I had you know guaranteed I had good guarantee I had bonuses I had a company car allowance um you know the money was decent I gave it up because I wanted to make a change and the pain factor for me at that point was that I was so, getting myself so depressed that I literally didn't want to get out of bed in the morning and go to work. And I thought, I'm 19 years old, 20 years old. Like how? I can't live like that for the rest of my life. I need to change. And by then you'd be thinking, oh, that's so young. It's like I lived with my partner. I had a mortgage and I had no qualifications other than GCSEs. So I felt trapped. I felt stuck. But I thought, I need to get out of that system. I need to get out. I need to break free. 
And me breaking free meant taking a step back in a career world and giving up a lot of the stuff like the money and, you know, the, the nice working hours. And I decided I wanted to become a midwife because I wanted to help people. I wanted to serve. I wanted to, to do good and well. And to me, that was another career, a better career because it's a profession and it's something I need to go to university and to train for that. I will have a degree. I'll be more respected. So I left and I worked in the healthcare sector as a care assistant for a year prior to you need to get healthcare experience because midwifery is very difficult to get into. Um, I managed to get on the course and my year we had over a thousand applications at the university I went to and only 23 places. So I'm very privileged and lucky to, to have gotten on a place um, on a course. And I spent the following three years living and breathing midwifery. My passion, one thing that I'm aware that I'm the way I am is that when I'm passionate about something, I literally give it my all. So when, as a student, I literally any conference, anything going on in that world, I was there. I was attending it. I was reading. I was writing. Um, I qualified with first honours degree um, and I had six months. So, well, I had um, brand new twin girls when I qualified. I didn't take any maternity leave. They made me take 12 weeks to recover physically. Um, but I did my work from home during that time and I went back to university. I graduated with first honours degree. I remember doing my dissertation while I was breastfeeding twins in the middle of the night. So when people talk about excuses, like you haven't got excuses. I moved back to Plymouth when I've had my girls and my university was in Southampton. So for seven months, I commuted from Plymouth to Southampton every week to finish my placement, which included working, which meant working 40 hours a week. You can make anything happen if you really want it. And I wanted to be a midwife so badly. I had so much passion for the job. I had so many... What I've realized quite quickly, and I think as an entrepreneur, that's a really big trait to have, is I'm a problem fixer. And what happened in, within midwifery, like I found so many problems that needed to be fixed. And I was so passionate about fixing them. And as a student, you're going to change the world. Everything's possible. You're going to do everything. And then you qualify and then you start working for the NHS. And well, let's just say fixing problems is not that easy within that system. Because the system doesn't understand that you need to spend money in the short term to save the money in the long term. Um, it doesn't quite have that um, understanding on that, of that process or the, or the business mind. I think, you know, when you speak to people with the NHS, what it's lacking is someone business-minded running it, unfortunately. So I tried and I tried and I tried. I tried really hard to make improvements, make changes. I was involved in um, the guideline writing. I was um, a specialist. I had a specialist lead role that should have enabled me to make improvements. But in fact, what I was doing, I was just collecting data, which was telling me to change things. And when I tried to change things, no one would let me. So very quickly, I got tired of that. Plus, you know, putting all of yourself into something and not getting anything back, really. It, it hurt me. And when I made an exit from the midwifery into the property, obviously, I've been growing my property business whilst working. It wasn't an overnight turn and I just leave. But when I took the step out and left to fully focus on my business. My problem-fixing abilities that were always within me, that I almost got punished for for my life. I always got told off, I always got in trouble for being honest. It was a bad thing. Like me being outspoken and passionate was a bad thing where I worked. That wasn't the right way to be because you were meant to follow the system and just follow the rules and listen to what they tell you. 
And the reason that I always got in trouble in any job I was in, I mean, you know, I've laughed about being in trouble with HR, I'd be in trouble with my colleagues and their bosses because I would say too much or people would laugh because I would spend my own money trying to improve things. People didn't understand me. And when I came out in the world of business, that's what people loved me for. The passion that I had for what I do and I still have now, that's why people follow me. My being outspoken and honest, it's a good thing to be. And what happened, you know, whilst this is just the the job kind of career story I'm telling you, whilst all of this has been happening, I've also been in a relationship because you taught to get a job, get a a boyfriend to be your husband. So I met my ex-partner when I was 17, 18 years old. We moved in together within six months. Then we bought a house six months later. Um, then we got engaged another six months later. I never got married, luckily. Um, I pushed that off. I put that off for a while, but we were together for nearly 10 years. And within that, you taught to look after the other person, look after them and cherish them and, and support them. And I did that. And he did the same to me. But within that, I behaved in a way that other people expected me to behave and how the society tells you should behave. So the society tells you when you're a professional in a professional capacity that you can't really have personality to go with it. You should like put that, you know, stick that in your pocket and get it out when you're out of of work or out of a job. But then don't do it too much either because you're a professional, so we'll control your private life as well. That's the NHS for you, by the way. We'll control what you put on social media. You can't have personality. You can't be outspoken. You can't share your opinions. That was my life as a midwife. And then you try to, so you try to hide yourself in this little box and you don't allow yourself to come out. You become the person that everyone wants you to be. You say the things that are expected of you. You do the things that people expect of you and you're a good girl or a good boy and you just follow the, the trend, what everyone else does, because that's the right thing to do. And it's not until you break that mold and that pattern that you start being happy. So for me, when I ended my 10, nearly 10 year relationship it was a painful decision to make and it was life changing initially in a negative way but I really used that I thought I don't know who I am anymore I really don't know who I am I don't like myself I don't think I'm a nice person I don't think I'm a good person I don't think there's anything good in me I need to find who I am who the fuck am I think I thought I would always be single no one would ever want to be with me I would have no friends no one's interested in what I've got to say all these thoughts have gone from my head for those of you who know me today you may struggle to imagine that but that was me I was a shell of a person so I went on a journey to finding myself and me starting my own business was a huge part of my journey for me because I grew confidence and I learned that making my decisions in a way that I want to do things and following my heart and my passions actually works. So that helped me grow my confidence. But a lot of it was self-discovery and speaking out more and getting myself out there and speaking to people and realizing that people like me. Like, I'm all right. I'm not this monster that I've made myself to be, that I believe that I am. For me, and you might find different ways to, you know, to, to come this, but you know when you just get this pattern interrupt, this moment that just changes you forever. And I was growing my business and it was going well, but I was still a shell of a person inside, really. I still really craved love. 
I really craved attention. I really, whilst I was single and I was pretending that I'm a strong, independent woman and I don't need a man, inside I was desperate for a man. I was like, please, will just somebody want to be with me? But anyone I dated, I didn't believe that they would stay with me because I didn't feel I was a good person. I didn't think there was anything worthy about me. And ultimately what happened is is exactly what happened. They didn't stick around. Because why would they? I visualised that and I got exactly where I wanted. I decided to travel and a friend of mine, actually a funny story, it was uh, was a guy I was dating um, prior and he um, he was encouraging me, go travelling by yourself. I was like, come with me, we're friends now, let's go together, it'd be really fun. And he was like, no, 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 you should go travelling by yourself. And I was like, no, come with me, no, we should, we, we'll have fun, we're just friends, we're just mates. Not really, you know, how it works for women. It's like, yeah, we just, we were just mates when we dated before and yeah, 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 I'm not going to go into that in too much detail. But um, yeah, so anyway, he was like, no, it'll be good for you, like, I honestly didn't don't believe that he meant it was going to be good for me. He just wanted to like basically tell me to bugger off. Um, but I thought, okay, I'm going to go by myself. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. And I remember thinking to myself, I'll be this weirdo on a strip to wherever I'm going to go and with no one to talk to. But, oh, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm just going to come back and I would have seen some things. It's not a big deal, is it? So I booked my flight to Italy. That was my first place I visited by myself, to Venice. (laughs) What place to pick when you're single and desperate and you feel like, shit, let's go to the city of love by yourself. That is the best place to pick. Ooh, go me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So off to Venice I went and I arrived in Venice and I was shitting my pants and um, also he advised me to stay in hostels and I was so against hostels because I was like hostels to me were grotty, horrible places. Who would ever want to stay in hostels? You like, if you stay in hostels, you've got like no cash and you just like, you know, sleep in dirt and uh, just share germs and whatever. But when I started researching hostels, they're actually like, some of them are nicer than hotels. I mean, I don't mind sharing a dorm with people. I'm not shy. I'm not, I'm very open. So that's not a problem at all. And they looked absolutely beautiful. And I remember... I booked my accommodation for Venice in this um, hostel, which was on a little um, island of Judeca, um, well, kind of within Venice. Um, and I thought, well, it looks great. It looks amazing. Let's go there. And it was like £30 a night, something crazy. So I flew into Venice, got a boat. I had to get used to the idea of not having cars, just there being boats. Um, got on a boat, got to the hostel at Judeca. The check-in was, I think, 2 p.m. And I got there maybe an hour early. I was just sat um, on a sofa, kind of repacking my bags. And there were a couple of people there and just got talking. Because when you, by yourself, it's kind of weird when, you know, the people are there and you're not saying anything. So I thought I'll say hi and what they're doing. And then another person joined and it was four of us in total. And we were all waiting to check in. Um, one from England. No, two from England. Um, but one of the English people lived in Germany. And one guy from, um, uh, where is he from? Costa Rica, maybe. Um, so there you go. So a bit of a mixed culture. And then we, we started talking and about our plans and what we're planning to do. And I said, well, do you want to go out and explore a bit together? So there you go. I met people immediately. Then that followed on. We um, we went off exploring um, Venice together, came back in the evening, went to the bar at the bar, met a group of probably another 15 people. We played cards. We played games. We had fun. We had drinks. Following day. Let's go out and explore together because it's more fun to do it in a group. I've gone to places I would have never gone to. I had a laugh, 
we had great stories to tell, got to know these people. And then before you know it, I'm off to the next place. And then meet people again, and then on to the next place and meet more people. I came back from that trip, and that was the trip that's just changed my life. Because I came back and I was like, people like me. They actually wanted to hang out with me. They thought I was funny. I was like, no one ever thought I'm funny. It's like, I don't think I'm funny. People liked me for my little quirkiness, for for the weird things about me, for making mistakes, for saying the silly things, for, you know, people liked me. It was like this eureka moment, you know, when you find like, oh my God. Do you know when you sometimes look in the mirror and it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a hot shit. Like, I want you to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm like, I'm, I'm hot. Like today I look good. That was like that moment. It's like, I am a good person. I'm worthy. And I'm fun. It's like, fuck everyone else. If I'm myself and I let myself be me and I don't mute myself, I am cool. And then my next trip followed to Barcelona. Um, the same thing happened, but I met a bunch of Americans, ended up spending three days with them. Um, well, I was going to say exploring Barcelona, um, but no, we didn't. We just got pissed on a beach every day for three days. Um, but you didn't hear this? Um, <laughs> but... You know, and my thoughts were, well, I remember thinking, like, I'm not going to see any of the Barcelona, of Barcelona. I came here to see the city. And then another part of me was like, well, the city will still be here. I can come back any time. These people in this place are only going to be here now. Am I going to take this opportunity and just spend this time, this amazing, have this amazing opportunity I've been given? Or am I going to say no to it because I'm going to stick to my plan? And that's why I think your life, you should be open to opportunities. Don't plan every single minute of your life. Know your goal, know your aim, but enjoy the journey. And on that journey, it sometimes means that if you planned to go just straight ahead, you may turn left or right and just see what's around the corner. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? You can turn around. Well, actually, you might find a shortcut. Maybe not a shortcut, but you'll see some amazing views of things that you wouldn't have seen before. But you need to be open to opportunity. I know so many people that, you know, you say to them, come to this, like, oh no, I've made other plans and yeah, it's just not, I've not accounted for this. Fuck that. You only live once, you only get this opportunity once, this thing only happens once. If you can make it, just make the effort and do it. It's the same about networking, about events, about doing things. So many times, I always say this, the best times I've had, the most amazing people I've met, the most bizarre, unique experiences that I've had is because I said yes to it in a moment. I'm not going to give you some of the uh, story from Italy and, um, and how that bizarre moment happened because that's, like that's a subject for a more sexual podcast episode, but... Um, <laughs> I was, but even that was interesting. But um, just in life, in business in general, I, I went to an event. I love now, I love networking. I love meeting people. I love the buzz of events. Now, I've learned that actually I'd, I thought I was really introverted and I was not a social butterfly at all. Actually, I am. But on my own terms, like, you know, I enjoy my own company, but I love being around people. When it's, and when I'm learning from it as well, it's just not pointless. I am, um, for example, I went to a big event called Expert Empires recently, 
And I found out about it maybe three days before the event. And I looked at my calendar and I was like, well, I kind of got, you know, I could make space for that. It was a two day event. I thought, bugger, I'm just going to buy the tickets. So I knew the guy who was organizing it. I contacted him, got the tickets and just went. And it was the most amazing event. And I've had the most amazing time ever. And I've met some great people. Um, there are some amazing speakers. It, it was absolutely incredible. A lot of the things that, you know, you, you get to do, sometimes, you know, I'm like passing by and I'll just ask, can I join? Can I come? Are you asking enough? I went to the podcast awards um, a few days ago and there's still people like, oh, well, why did she go? Well, how, how did she get an invite? And I, I went with, with my mentor and, and a friend and I just, and he was laughing that, oh, she invites herself. Yeah, I do. Because if there's a party happening, like, I want to be there. I would have still gone if he wasn't coming. It wasn't just because he was coming, so I wanted to come. I would have still gone. And I would have met amazing people. And I would have had fun. It would have been a little bit more like, you know, I would be more uncomfortable. But it's all about putting yourself out and pushing past this uncomfortable point. I've asked. I mean, he mentioned it. No one's, no one's been officially invited or had red carpet rolled out. I had to ask him, is it still happening? Are you going? Are we doing it? He wasn't actually going to go. Then the tickets came out. I managed to get the tickets because the tickets weren't announced. And I had to kind of, you know, get the t link for the tickets. Managed to get that sent to him saying, yeah, we're in. We've got the tickets. It's two days before the event. Yeah, I did it. And then he goes, oh, I'm not going because there's a second room. I want to be in a first room. And I was like... And I, was, so I had to spend time like encouraging him to come because I was like, oh, come on, it's going to be really good for you. It's a social event. It doesn't matter. It's all about the after party, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he was like, well, I don't think I'm going to come. And I did say to him in the end, it's like, fine, I'm going to go by myself. And it was going to go by myself. It wasn't a big deal. But a lot of people wouldn't have gone because they haven't got this comfort, this security comfort of another person coming with them. Oh, you know, this was such a last minute thing. Then we went and it was great. We had a really good time and it was only a small number of us. It was me, um, Rob, Dan and Kieran. Um, so it's only four of us in total that went. And when the photos came online, everyone's like, well, why the hell did she get a ticket and I didn't? Why did she get an invite and I didn't? Well, because I just asked and you didn't. This is as simple as that. There's nothing special about me. I just asked. Do you ask for things? Not really. Well, you're not going to get, are you? So don't be angry with me, upset with me because I asked when you didn't. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, then that's okay, but you're not going to get the things that I'm going to get because I'm going to ask. Because I could have been told no, and that's still okay. Like I said, I still would have come if the other people didn't come. That was okay. It was a public event. Anyone could have come. You didn't book your tickets. Did you? Did you? I booked the tickets before anyone else. I don't know anyone else was coming at that point. I thought I was going to go alone. I still booked my ticket. Would you have done the same? No. Don't envy or hate on people who do the things that you are scared to do. Because the results come when you do the things that most people won't do. And it's the same when it comes to networking. As accessing mentors. Is there somebody there that you think is out of your reach? Have you ever asked them whether they can help you? Have you ever reached out? No. What, because you're scared of rejection? They don't reject you. They reject the, it's not right for them in the, in, in the moment, the timing's wrong, whatever, they haven't got the capacity. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say no. So what? Will you just get the fuck over your stupid ego 
So you get no. If I get a no, I have a sulk about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have a little diva spaz out. Then I get over it and I'll ask again. So what if it hurts your ego? So what if someone says no? So what if you look a bit stupid? Who cares? What if they say yes? What if they say yes and you get to go to these places? You go get to do those things? Because you're the only person that asked because nobody else bothered. Because everyone else was scared to ask that question. That's how I roll. So when you see me everywhere and doing things and getting involved in this and that and the other, I've asked to be involved. Did you? No? Okay. And if I don't get asked the next time? I've been told no a few times. I wanted to come to an event yesterday that was, I could have registered for in advance, I didn't, I left it. And then I thought I woke up in the morning, I fancy coming. And I was getting ready because I was like, yeah, definitely let me in. And I said, sorry, we haven't got any space. And a part of me was like, well, fuck you. If you want to be like that, it's just one extra person. But then I thought, oh, no, that's fair enough. It's just, it is what it is. It's, you know, they can't make exceptions for me. But I asked and I got told no. I didn't just assume that I couldn't come. I would have probably assumed that I, I can come and I would have turned up. But I thought I would check. Maybe next time I'll just turn up. <laughs> Do you see what I mean, though? Push yourself out of your comfort zone ask if you don't ask you don't get the worst thing that's going to happen is a no so in your life find yourself allow yourself to be you it's not about copying other people when taking their personality you're never going to be them why can't you be the best version of yourself that you can be why do you have to look at someone else and think oh they're cool they're amazing i want to be just like them that's great but they're unique they're different what what's about them what do they do that you like Intertwine it, incorporate it into your life. Don't copy it directly because people can smell it from a mile. Copycat is not pretty and you shouldn't be doing that. And if you're doing it, give yourself a fucking slap on the face because it's wrong and it's lame. But don't do it. Be you because it's only you. That's the only way you're going to make it to the top. Thanks for listening to The Camilla Show Podcast. You can follow Camilla on Facebook by searching for Camilla S.A. Girl or Camilla Sholek or by visiting www.sagirl.co.uk. And remember, let's make some waves. Come with everything you said, I could never got my own back.